Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today it's the Monday Club. So I'm joined by Kevin Graham and Russell Boyce um, for another instalment of the Axon Bullet. And how are you doing, gentlemen? Not too bad, thank you. Now, there's negatives and positives. And um, unfortunately, we've spoken a lot about the negative because that is the narrative uh, this season for Celtic. It's been one of those seasons that, you know, time and time again, you think they can't trip us up any more than they have done. And then they do. Um, so let's start off with a positive and, and by the way I take I absolutely take on point the fact that we are talking about a replacement Celtic manager Celtic have a manager and that manager is Neil Lennon but I felt it was necessary uh, probably because of everything that's happened the accumulation of 
everything has gone wrong that we are talking about a new Celtic manager. But a big part of that, Kev, goes on to obviously the rumour mill. Uh, and we've got to call it rumour mills. People talk about sources. Um, and you said before we went live, you know, until it happens. And that that's true. I mean, we're talking about Eddie Howe. We're talking about a, an, a, a supposed approach to Eddie Howe, a man who's out of work at the moment, to come in and take over from Neil Lennon. We've all heard the rumours, Russell, you'll have heard the rumours, we've seen the screenshots, we've seen the posts on forums. Forums are still a thing, wow. We've seen all that. Um, Eddie Howe's coming in, Neil Lennon's last game's on Wednesday night, there's going to be a big shake-up in the boardroom, and this, in part, is due to the last, what will now be, what date is it the day? Is that the 18th or the 19th up there? Um the 18th, so it's in, in part over the last 16 days, the developments at Celtic in that period. Not just the full season, but I think it's been sped up um, since uh, the 2nd of January, basically. So, first and foremost, Kevin, I'm going to come to you and ask you your, your views on all of these rumours, including, you know, Dermot Desmond's son, Ross Desmond's coming in. There's going to be um, a big shake-up in the boardroom. What have you heard? Uh, what do you think is just that rumour and gossip? What do you think is going to happen this week? This is kind of like when you've took your Vianetta out the freezer and you're waiting on your jelly to say, hey, your jelly's no set yet and you want it to go with your Vianetta. You just want something to happen. You just you just want to get tucked into that dessert, eh? You should not have mentioned jelly and ice cream this early on, mate. No, this season. Come on. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, oh dear. God, there you go, bad then, choice. Eh? Bad choice. That's a, that's a bad choice. Eh? Um, I'm just fed up waiting. I'm really are. We all know something's going to happen, and we'd rather it would happen sooner rather than later. I mean, I think yesterday was the first time I've actually cursed Rangers not winning because they could maybe keep their coaching staff in a job a bit longer. Um, look, I'm just waiting for the incoming flack you're going to get for that comment as well, Keith. <laughs> I'm I'm past caring now. I'm really up past caring now. Once you've had Kevin, sorry to interrupt for a third time in in quick succession, but once you've had 300 retweets, uh, when you're the star of a meme that's had 300 retweets from Rangers fans, you probably are past caring, aren't you? Because that happened to you uh, over the last few days, didn't it? I happened deservedly. I, I, I was deservedly turned into a meme, and uh, I've, I've, I've got. I've got no problem with it whatsoever. I, des- I deserve the ridicule for the comments that I did make, but I did apologise for them. So, hey, I can't do much else, mate. I'm so, feeling- so did Peter Lovell, though, Kev. So, ah, but I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm more sincere than Peter Lovell, hopefully. hopefully. Right, back uh, to the point. Sorry, I've taken you on a tangent. Back to the well, point, Kev. It's usually me. It takes you on a tangent. Eh? I know. Um, what was the point again? Oh, I, I, the, 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 the rumour my one that, eh? Vianetta, um, Vianetta and, and Vianetta ice and jelly, yeah. Jelly, aye. Look, rumours are rumours. And we've had them for that many different sources that you've, you've got to hope and pray that there's some sort of, like, weight behind them. Now, look, I didn't think we had an under-23 team. Ah, that's news to me. Um, maybe we should use some of the players if, we, if, if, if they've been hiding in a cupboard somewhere uh, in Celtic Park. But we, I think that the, the, the general feeling is that there's changes in the wind. Uh, there's change coming at one point. Whether it is going to be this week or next week, it seems it's going to happen. I find it weird if this change is going to happen this week that Neil Lennon will get Wednesday night. The thing uh, is, though, we've been over-sentimental Kevin, that's been one of our big issues this season, so it wouldn't surprise me. 
We've been over sentimental when you're learning this season. As a club, I mean, you know, let's give them the quadruple treble. Really? You don't hand these things out like passes. Let's give him Wednesday night, you know, so that he can have his last hurrah after the two games where he wasn't in the dugout. I don't agree with that. If Neil Lennon knew he was going to be out of a job by Thursday morning, do you think he would want to take the game on Wednesday night? Well, what, what kind of reaction is he going to get for the players? When you look at the players at the weekend, a, a lazy... A, a lazy and an easy accusation that you could actually throw at the players is they had seen the WhatsApp messages as well and had chucked it, knowing full well that there was going to be another manager coming in. One of the things I said to uh, Russell just before you joined us, Kev, one of the things I said was that um, I never try and profess to be one of these in-the-know guys. They're out there. Of course they are. There's people um, being fed information from very good sources. Uh, sources of intelligence and all this kind of stuff. We're getting into the criminal kind of network of how things work. Um, so I don't try and be one of the guys. But one thing that does happen, Kevin, I'm sure it happens to you, is there are certain people that you've come into contact with, uh, not generally through the podcast, Myself, it would have been through researching the books, um, where they do have ins to the club. They are involved in the club. They do give you information. And, and what I tend to do, and I said this to Russell, is I just sit on it because it's not my information to give until I see that breaking from a credible source. And then I would be inclined to then support the story in relation to, let's say, Eddie Howe. Now, I've been criticised, so have you, Kev, when we were told about the Brennan Rogers thing. Uh, you know, we were told from a, a very credible source uh, before that happened that it was going to happen and he was already lined up to take over at Leicester. But I come out with that on this podcast and it doesn't happen, then your credibility is all over the place. So I don't break uh, source information. I don't break news because that's not the purpose of a Celtic state of mind. 99 times out of 100, the information would be wrong. But if you're given information from a reasonable source and then it breaks, then you think, right, I think that's good enough to talk about because I've had it from a different source. But what I would say about the, the WhatsApp you're referring to about an under-23 team and all that stuff, I think what happens is people get the information, Kev, they want to put their own twist on it, so they embellish it a wee bit, so they forward it on. So the one bit of source information becomes four or five different bits. And it's like Chinese whispers. So by the end of it, people have added arms and legs on. But the information that I'm referring to is that Eddie Howe will be announced as the new Celtic manager after the game on Wednesday. There's also an apparent shake-up in the boardroom. And then since then, you've heard all the stories in relation to Ross Desmond coming in and being involved, etc. I think there is change, change are coming, as someone once said. Russell, what's your view on that? Yeah, I, I definitely think... Um you know, that a change is necessary. Um, I agree with what Kev's saying. It is, you're getting a wee bit tired of waiting now. Um, the story seems to certainly gather pace um, over the weekend, you know, at a rapid rate. Um, I, and I agree with, you know, the screenshots have obviously been doing the rounds. I'm not so sure about the Ross Desmond situation. I don't know anything about him. I've not really got much to add on that one, but uh, what, what that would entail, um, his Im input or his impact at the club in any way, shape or form. But I did watch a lot of the Eddie Howe stuff on YouTube over the weekend, doing my homework, uh, Paul, as you know, and it, and it was actually um, really insightful. Uh, any doubts that I had before about him, I would say I've been removed. Um, it actually comes over really well. I actually think he's a perfect fit mm -hmm. for uh, the group of players that we've got right now as well. I think you'd be able to get them on side, United, and I certainly think he's a very methodical coach, which, like I've touched on before, players need that now. Um, they need their hands held every step of the way. He comes over like the type of manager who's going to do that. 
Um, we've got an extremely young squad. I think obviously with the 13 players out, it made a difference to the average age. But I think you still said it was 10 players under the age of 22, was it, that started against uh, Hibs? So, I mean, when you look at that, you're going, these guys are... You see when Brendan Rodgers took over at Celtic, he brought in a couple of guys, right, that he, he already knew, Colo Turi and Scott Sinclair, and Dembele was obviously just the absolute diamond signing. Um, but he actually, what he did was with the Celtic squad, we we had lost a wee bit of faith in um, after the obviously the, the 2-2 uh, semi-final draw with Rangers. And what he actually did was improve players. Callum McGregor, Kieran Tierney would probably have made it anyway. But I think Rodgers was just a perfect foil for him. He dramatically he brought Scott Brown back from the brink. Uh, Lee Griffiths, I thought he took to another level as well. Stuart Armstrong, I mean, there was a lot of players he improved. And I think we need to not lose faith in this squad completely as a, as a group. I think there's still a lot of talent there. Um, and if we can get Eddie Howe, as the rumour mill um, is suggesting, and the sources suggest, and all that nonsense... Um, I think uh, I think he could actually, you know, still get a tune out of the uh, the, the vast majority of that squad. Listen, I think it's a great point, Russell, because you know you, you get to that point and people are saying, "Well, we need to." Yeah, there's a joint responsibility. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's plenty of players in there who have not given what they should have this season. Um, and then obviously you move into the management and coaching staff, then you move into the the tier above that at the club. And there's a joint responsibility. But I, I agree with you. If you bring in a, a manager and a coaching team, there's plenty of potential in that team. I think that there's a, a slight. Um, transitional period where there's quite a few of that squad I think are surplus to requirements now and then that will be supplemented I guess with a couple of names that the new incoming manager when that happens um, has his eye on as well and you're hoping that is the case because that's looking at a structural uh, change at Celtic as well but you ran a poll Russell on your Twitter page and it was basically Eddie Howe and Howe No, and Eddie Howe got 67% of the vote uh, 57 rather so it was quite a yeah. It's quite a close poll, and I think it has divided kind of opinion, Kevin. There's a few points Russell's uh, brought up that will enter the discussion throughout uh, this broadcast. One of them being things like you know the Callum McGregor uh, point on the coaching side of things. How frustrating is it for some players who? maybe don't have the belief system in the coaching staff at present how does that change when a new coaching uh, staff comes in there's something else I would like to bring up and that is also around uh, various articles that have been so, uh, sent over to me by uh, Roger Mitchell who talks quite a bit about data analysis and how it's uh, becoming a bit of a race um, between the big clubs to see who has the best data analysis department and you know is that becoming, is that fastly becoming, Kevin, a prerequisite for incoming managers? What's your data analysis department like? Uh, is that going to be a part of any new forward thinking manager? What do you think? Stats in a more American way of looking looking at football has come into, come into European football over the last five, six, seven, ten years. You look at the, the company that's took over Burnley. Uh, an American company, and they've got an interest in data, data analysis. Um, so the, the, everybody's wondering why this company's taking over Burnley. It's because they've got a product that they want to see if it works in, uh, in English football. It is. I mean, basically, let's have a look at this. Players now that come through academy systems are used to a certain style of coaching. They're not used to management. 
They're not used to being managed. They're used to being coached. And the, the old school type manager, not that there's many left in the game now, is no longer, is no longer, can no longer need, can no longer get the needs of the players. The players need yep. told. The players need told every inch of their game what they're going to yep. be doing because that's the way that they've been brung through the, the academies. The, the, there was an interview that Eddie Howe actually done with uh, Graham Hunter, the big interview, and he basically admits it's like a university now. Going to, going to a football club is like a university. You're learning all the time. Days are gone where you get bollocked. Days are gone where you actually get shout. Days are gone that you, you listen to the Cy Ferry podcast where he talks about basically bullying in the dressing room. And that, that's, that's all gone now. And basically, we had five years of uh, Ronnie Dyler, then, then Brendan Rogers, who were a university coaches, who were coaches. And we stepped back. And we don't need to go back across it. I've said it wrong, wrong time. Yeah. I've said it time and time again. Neil Lennon was the wrong fit for the club. And Eddie Howe is, is a perfect fit for the club. But he would have, a Eddie Howe type manager was a perfect fit for the club when Brendan Rodgers left. And if we would have brought in an Eddie Howe type manager, there's, there's hundreds of Eddie Howe type managers out there all over Europe. If we had brought in somebody like that, we wouldn't be in the mess that we were in at this precise moment in time. Kevin, and you know, we've got lots of people commenting because I think it's one of the things whereby, you know, there's been a lot of bad news stories around Celtic this season. Of course there has been. And we've been saying maybe over the last couple of weeks, it's time for us to start planning now for, for next season. Um, is that us at a point where we're, we're actually accepting that our fate this season? Well, to a degree, yes, it is. But one thing I did take from that draw that Kevin referenced earlier, um, I was asking Kev, after the, the Rangers game on a second, I looked at the four fixtures for Celtic, the four fixtures for Rangers. Will Rangers drop anything? Universally, the answer was no. Will Celtic drop anything? <laughs> and I think the answer was uh, yes. And that's exactly what's happened. And that's a frustration because there comes a point where Rangers go to, to Motherwell. Motherwell have got a new manager. They talk about another cliche, the, the new manager bounce, and they get a decent result. That's going to happen. And I'm not, it's not going to happen that often. That's going to happen to Rangers between now and the end of the season. But when you're drawing nothing each against Livingston uh, at home, you know, and, and you're looking across there and you think we could have actually clawed a couple of points back here. That's a frustration for me. And I'm not saying we would have won the league, but we're going out at a whimper, you know, drawing nothing each uh, to Livingston. And by the way, th there's also this question. I'll throw this one to yourself, Russell. We've got our players back, the first team players, the ones that were missing in isolation. But we're playing a Livingston side who are just as well organised as they were on Saturday, but we're playing them in their own park. And it's a stadium that we've not had that many great results at. So when you're looking at that potentially being, and we'll keep it on track, potentially being Neil Lennon's last game, is he going to go out with a win? I think the Livingston away is definitely a daunting uh, prospect. I think the home performance on Saturday, if we're just touching that briefly, was absolute draw. So I really wasn't impressed at all. Um, it was painful to watch. I was actually working outside on silent on the TV I was actually relieved when a customer call came through so I could take my eye off it for two minutes because it was depressing. Um, that away from home against the Livingston side that were unbeaten in nine now, eight wins, mm. one draw, the draw coming at Celtic Park. You'd have to say that uh, us getting three points from that, still with the same management team, 
and charge right now is is unlikely to be totally honest to you. I, I hate saying that. Um but I certainly think if the stories are to be true that a new manager's coming in the Thursday, then Celtic kind of believe that this might be a bit of a banana skin. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As well, and don't want, don't want to put in a new manager, you know, to start off with a, with a negative result as such. Well, when you think about it, Russell, I think that's a great point as well, because, I mean, yeah, you're, you're then throwing the first-teamers back in. There is a transitional period between those who have come in for the two games against Hibs and Livy. And I'll ask you this question as well throughout the discussion. There's some of those guys that have done this, you know, this off no harm, I would suggest, some of the yeah. younger players. I mean, and we're sitting here talking about Anthony Ralston, um, who I thought was the best player on the park. Kev, you agreed with me against Livy. Um, Ralston playing right back, Gavin Strachan in the dugout. Who would have known going for 10 in a row that the end of January would have been talking like that? But that's where we are. Uh, yeah, it would have been a bad time to throw in a new manager, wouldn't it, between the two Livy games? So I can understand if it does happen on Thursday. Why we're leaving it that yeah. long, Kevin? Out of the two games, you know, we we spoke about the Lille game. It was a dead rubber, and you know, we threw in a few kind of untested players, untested for Celtic anyway. And Sorrow and Hazard, Turnbull had had a few games, and now Sorrow and, and Turnbull, I would say, are first choices. Hazard, I'm not sure how that one's going to work. Do you think we're going to pull uh, another couple of players out of the the last? couple of games. Is there anything to be pulled from this carnage from the youngsters that have come in? I don't know. I really don't know because I think Welsh has to be a plus point even though he didn't get any minutes against Livingston. Mm-hmm. I think Welsh has to be a plus point for the four games that he's actually played for us this season. And if any manager who is coming in has been looking over the tapes, he'll probably see a player in Welsh. And if you get a manager who's going to come in, is going to work with these laddies, then you could have a centre half in Welsh. You could have. With Fring Pong, any decent coach will actually see Fring Pong as a right winger and actually work on his final ball. That would be the first thing that you would do with Fring Pong. Yeah. I mean, you says on Saturday, Paul, that Fring Pong could go to the next level. Yes, he could. But he needs somebody to come in and develop him to go to that next level. He hasn't been developed at Celtic in, in, in 18 months. Um, you have a look I, I, like, I like Ewan Henderson I do like mm-hmm. Ewan Henderson but he needs to put on a bit of weight he, needs, he, needs, he, he looks a bit finely built and again I don't really know what his position is 
that he's played in a number of positions when he's came into the team. Um, we've got to build for the future, but that doesn't mean to say if we start building for the future now that we're giving up on this season. Um, I think the two go hand in hand. You can start making progress this season for the future. Whether it brings success or not is, uh, is byesy byes, but you can actually start making progress for next season. If you bring in a manager just now, I think you should be telling them, by the way, you can't bring in anybody in the January window. You've got to, you've got to evaluate the squad for now to the summer, then make your decisions in the summer what you want to do, and we'll fully back you. Kevin, I don't uh, disagree with much of that. What I would say, though, is we're at a stage where we can't see the, the performance of... Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me down for this. Um, Anthony Ralston. We're at the stage where we're not even looking at his performance because we're saying about Welsh, yes. Is this all about perception? Uh, what's your perception of Ralston going into that game? I thought he was the best player on the park for Celtic um, on Saturday. So can we give him a bit of credit for that? Still a young player. The, the thing is, though, Paul, we had a very low watermark on Saturday that anybody above that watermark was actually going to get pass marks. Anthony Ralston's no the answer, and I think that's been proved with the two loan spells that he's had at two middling clubs in Dundee United and St. Johnson. Anthony I'm not, Ralston, Anthony I'm not, Ralston, saying, I'm not saying he's the answer. I'm not saying he's the answer. At this moment in time, who is our right back? You've got Elhamid who disappeared from view, came in against uh, Rangers, made a substitute appearance. Uh, the rumours were that he was on his way, then his agent came out and said he wasn't. Beyond that, we don't have a right back. Uh, going back to Frimpong, Frimpong is not the answer. So Ralston came in, played particularly well. Uh, Okaflex should have scored from that across the face of goal cross, something that Frimpong has been um, criticised for not being able to do well enough and I just think, you know, sometimes he, it's perception, he comes in, he's had a good game if he wasn't Anthony Ralston and he was a young kid at the same age, I think we'd be sitting saying, what a player we've got here I'm not saying he's a long term answer it's either perception or desperation where we are. Uh, if you were a manager who's looked at the tapes at Celtic, uh, of Celtic this season you'll be going a right back at this precise moment in time as Christopher Ayer yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, absolutely. And you're, and you're probably looking for an R centre half. And with Julian on the injury um, treatment table, probably two centre halves. Mm-hmm. But again, that, that's an interesting thing. The timing isn't ideal. Obviously, it's not. Um, because, as you say, Kevin, a big part of that might be let's have a look at the, the squad. I don't think we can survive between now and the end of the season without bringing in a centre half. Uh, you know, a new manager coming in or not, we need to bring in another centre half. I think that much is clear. What I'm going to do, and I'm very, very keen to get in about the comments. Um, um, today as well because Celtic fans have all got big opinions on this um, some might think we shouldn't even be talking about a new manager uh, but let's plan ahead a little bit I'm going to run through some of the odds that I've seen online Kevin in relation and Russell uh, regarding managers I'm going to throw them out to you so you can discuss yes no and why I'm going to start off with some of the guys coming at 33 to 1 long shots now you think back to when Brennan Rogers got the job I remember one of these sources that we're talking about um telling me Brennan Rogers was a man and I scoffed at it and I was at a, so you could check the, the timeline I was at a Steve Mason gig at uh, the Liquid Rooms in Edinburgh and I met up with a couple of my mates and one of them was saying you must have heard something I don't know why they think I would have heard something but I said listen if you're going to put money on anybody put it on Brennan Rogers and they just laughed at me 
obviously Brennan Rogers at that time was probably around the 33 to 50 to 1 mark at the bookies. I never put money on it because I don't bet. But 33 to 1, John Collins, Davey Moyes, Mark Hughes. So over to yourself, first of all, Russell, what's your thoughts on the 33 to 1 bets? I don't think John Collins would get the job. I actually like John Collins when he talks to be honest, but I think that's a quite an unpopular opinion. Um, obviously, I think that you know the stuff that he, I think he's on record saying only last year that he wouldn't work in Scotland at management level again, such as the professionalism or the, or the, the training sort of regimes. He just feels that they're way dated, and uh, his ideas and me- methods just would not would not work. He probably wasn't including Celtic in that because it'd be that far fetched that he'd be offered that job. So I think you would rule that one out. David Moyes is doing well at West Ham in the Premier League. He's always, to me, seemed... I know he's been interviewed for the job before, but I've always felt that Moyes would only take the Celtic job if he needed the Celtic job, as opposed to it being something that he's you know, got a strong, strong desire to do. I could be wrong. Um, but Mark Hughes is obviously interesting because, firstly, he's unattached. We know that the, the Celtic board in the past haven't wanted to pay compensation. I like that you brought up the other day that we received £9 million from Brendan Rodgers. Funnily enough, I never reinvested that in a management team, which is a fantastic point and frustrating me. I think he's more likely than the other ones because of the fact he is unattached, whether that's right or wrong. Um, And he does have, obviously, a wealth of experience. I mean, I think as well, if you take away his managerial side, if you said you're getting a former Barcelona Manchester United striker is going to be linked to the job. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's one one heck of a level that he's operated at as both a player and a manager. Um, whether he would capture the imagination of the fans would be the problem and probably why he's altered a wee bit longer. Yeah, I mean, picking up on your point about Moyes, I do remember I was at, um, remember Celtic and Dunfermline organised a big anniversary due um, for Jock Steen and one of the speakers that night was Davy Moyes and at that time he was the manager of Real Sociedad. You'll remember he was over there for a year. Yeah. One of the questions that was asked that, that night was about managing and uh, the question was would you consider managing the Scottish national team and his answer was he would like someday to come back to Scotland to manage and I found his choice of words pretty interesting because we had got the kind of wind that you know at some point he had been interviewed for a Celtic job and I found it interesting that he might have still been interested at that time mm. so those three names Kevin Graham Mark Hughes David Moyes and Johnny Collins what's your thoughts on the kind of longer odds managers at this time I think they're very you see them appearing on on all the lists any time that a management jobs come up especially in Scotland um, well, especially Celtic, the Celtic job John Collins, time's been and gone. Um, he's got an ego above his own station. His ego's got a, got its own orbit. Um, I mean, I find it laughable that he speaks about like training methods when he's the one that would be implementing the training methods. Eh? So I, I do find that just as a get out that he can't get a job for love or money. Um who was the other one? David Moyes. David Moyes has made it clear that he sees him. He sees himself as a top five manager in England. Um, Kenny's at West Ham. West Ham are doing no too bad at this precise moment in time, but he's got a style of football that's absolute rotten. Um, I, I don't think us as a Celtic support would accept that. Uh, he doesn't seem to change his style of play wherever he goes either, which I think. Uh, uh, 
when you have to be a Celtic manager, you, you've, you've got to adapt. You've, you, you've got to be a chameleon. You've got to adapt to your surroundings. You've got to actually, if your team's going to get a, a lot of the ball, you've got to set up your team that's going to get a lot of the ball. David Moyes' teams are, are all set up to play on the counter-attack and that's where he's had his major success. Mark Hughes, Mark Hughes is a weird one. Um, he had a Man City QPR, done really well at Stoke. He had Stoke finishing ninth a couple of times. Again, mm-hmm. again, we Mark Hughes is just not very fashionable. Eh? He just seem he just seems to be one of those managers that gets never gets any plaudits, even though he does well. And and it could just be his media media perception that he's not well liked. He seems to have a decent coach. It goes with him everywhere. And Mark Bowen, is it Mark? Is Mark? Mark Bowen, yes. Uh, yep. Mark Bowen, eh? who seems to be a bit like the Michael Beale, who seems to be like the brains of the operation there, and, and the shoes is just the figurehead. I don't really know enough about Hughes' back record is impressive. But again, I'm, my, my judgment on Mark Hughes is maybe clouded by his uh, media perception on certain podcasts and stuff like that that you listen to, where guys seem to talk him down. And the fact that he hasn't been linked with any jobs since leaving Stoke, not even your West Brom jobs or anything like that had come out, which seemed to have been a perfect fit for Mark Hughes. He's never even been linked with any of them. But look, he'd be coming up here. The Celtic job has got a different demographic, a different sort of metrics than any other job that he's actually taken. It'd be the same as any other names that you're going to mention. The Celtic job is completely different for them. So it's very difficult to make a to give a, an opinion because the Celtic job for me is very, very special. It's, it is different, and this is where you know rudimentary kind of stats. We'll, we'll maybe talk a wee bit more about data analysis uh, during the bulletin, but rudimentary stats sometimes are scoffed at. And I, I don't think that's right either because I know that data analysis gets right into the nitty gritty of, of figures and performance uh, stats. And, you know, it really widens that whole understanding of how a manager performs and how a manager's teams perform. But what I do find interesting is this word that Kevin used there, perception. So people see two names and the two names could be Mark Hughes and Slavin Bilic or Mark Hughes and Roy Keane. And I've seen far more Celtic fans going towards the Roy Keane or the Slavin Bilic. And that's a perception for me because they've done, for me, not enough to be better or viewed as better managers than the likes of Mark Hughes. So Mark Hughes, 610 games in management, every single one of them being either at international or EPL level over a 20-year period. Roy Keane, 181 games in management, the vast majority of them in a the championship, and he's won nothing. So this Roy Keane thing, I think it's perception, oh, he's a Celtic man the Irish link, all this kind of stuff. He'll sort them out. He'll get discipline. Will he really? Because in the modern day, and this is going back to another thing Kevin said, I don't think that approach works anymore. I think Roy Keane is a fantastic pundit. I love listening to Roy Keane. I really do. He's one of the guys, but that doesn't say much because see when you're flicking through Twitter and you see a video, who makes you stop? If I see a Roy Keane video, I'll stop and watch it. But I also watch Donald Trump videos. I didn't mean to say I like him. I watch it because you think, what has this idiot been saying now? You know, so he's good um, for TV. I think he's a good pundit. Sometimes a wee bit on the shock jock side, which I don't think he should be. Um, but as a Celtic manager for Roy Keane, not for me. Again, it's perception. I see a lot of people saying Slavin Bilic, and you think 
Really? Why? Why? How can you back that up? So when you look at the statistics of uh, various managers, sometimes it's it's interesting. I've seen quite a few tweets in support of someone like Mark Hughes, Kevin. And you're writing what you said about his coaching staff being a big part of that. And Mark uh, Hughes and Mark Bowen were kind enough to send us a message of support for the the quadruple treble charity weekender it was interesting I think at the end of Mark Bones where he said hail hail so that was nice um, but yeah they are quoted at the moment at 33 to 1 an outside bet this isn't about betting by the way this is just I'm, I'm reading through um, often the uh, the odds can be very reliable um, moving on to the 25 to 1 kind of shots you're looking at people like Malky Mackay and Patrick Vieira now another 25 to 1 shot was Wayne Rooney believe it or not but we, we all know that he's been named as a Derby County boss I mean these names again do you see Celtic approaching any of these guys? No, I can't. I can't. I can't imagine that either Patrick Vieira or who was the other one? Sorry, Malky Mackay. That, that, there's absolutely no chance of that. No way. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of baggage, which we don't really need to go into. But I mean, he's got a lot of baggage from the reasons why he left Cardiff and things like that. Um, again, like what Kev said about Mark, who's you ever seen Malky Mackay get linked with decent jobs? Is he not? I'm sure he was linked with the Dundee United job, was he not in the summer? Um, I it was. See, yeah. yeah, I don't see any way, shape. I'm quite surprised that he's got shorter odds than someone like Mark Hughes when you've just made the case for, for Hughes there. Maybe I'm just rooting for Mark Hughes now on the back of that. I don't <laughs> know, but I think uh, I'm surprised he's shorter odds. Definitely Malcolm McKay. He has not got a chance in China getting that job. No way. I actually thought that Malcolm McKay might have been around about the... I don't know what the timeline is. I thought he might have had a shout for the Queen's Park job now I'm not saying that disparaging in disparaging terms because I think Queen's Park and the people that are um, funding Queen's Park Kevin are very ambitious about the club yeah. but that's where I see Malcolm McKay what do you think Kev? At, at Queen's Park? Aye I, I must go back a minute Russell did you mean that clip there uh, no a chance in China when talking about Malcolm McKay? <laughs> oh, was that, was that <laughs> um, well, what's Queen's Park's plan? Queen's Park's plan is to actually get in in the Premier League. Yeah, they want. That, I, I'll tell you the plan, Kev. Just for anyone watching, Queen's Park want to be a top three club in Scotland. Wow, that's their plan. That's their plan. Have a look at also some of the changes that have happened from amateur status to professional status, moving from Hamden yeah. to Lesser Hamden, employing Ray McKinnon, buying quite a lot of players on big wages, all full-time players, Leanne Dempster moving in. They're not doing that to stay at the bottom tier of Scottish football. They're doing it because they want to be up there in the top three of Scottish football. Have they no learned their lessons for Gretna? I mean, they haven't, they haven't got a big enough fan base to actually be a top three club in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And whoever's, whoever's funding it, they're just going to be throwing, throwing cash after cash after cash into a bottomless pit. So that's, a, look, Queen's Park getting in the Premier League would be an absolute a momentous for a side. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. 
the best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Is it a club? With a fan base that size, it'd be momentous for them, but they're, they're still going to need massively funded. And that, that usually doesn't end well for anybody in that sort of game. No. So back to Malky then, um, after Russell's wee faux pas that I totally missed. Um, what's your thoughts on that kind of level? Because again, no disrespect to anybody in the game. Patrick Vieira, Malky Mackay. For me, for Celtic, that's not the type of name, that's not the type of man we need to come in and Malky, um, turn this around. Malky Mackay is just a lazy name on a lazy list. That's just to actually make up the odds to give some of these mug or somebody else to somebody else to back on. To, Pat, to back. Patrick Vieira, is he not Leo? Is, he, he was relieved. I uh, was relieved of his duties, yeah. So there, there's another Man City connection for you. Interesting. That's a Man City connection there. Eh? So I think that's the only reason that he's on the list. I, of, of Patrick Vieira would be utterly sexy, right enough, eh? That's box office, that's Hollywood. Um, but I can't see it happening. But see, th- this is a big thing as well. Is is that is that what Celtic need right now? I don't think so. It's not. It shouldn't be about profile. You know, speaking to the Clyde boys, the Clyde boys, obviously, they do their official podcast on a state of mind, Kev. It goes out on a Friday night. And I speak a lot to them. Um, and they were talking about managerial appointments. I think the manager they've got is very good and a very good fit for the club. But they were talking about all the time they went for profile. You know, and it didn't work. And, and there's loads, there's a whole plethora of names that have gone to Clyde and it's not worked for them. And I, I think at any level of football, it's a bad it's a bad choice to do that, you know. Um, I'm going to move into the next category because there's quite a few um, around about the 20 to 1 point. So we've got Stevie Clark, current Scotland boss, Henrik Larson, Johan Mialbe, Paul Lambert, Gordon Strachan, Rafa Benitez, um, Rebrov, obviously he's already done us this season. Gary Holt and and get this, Paolo Di Canio. Who on earth is going to back that? Paolo Di Canio for Celtic manager? No chance. Uh, what about some of their names, Russell? Any that, that stick out you think, yeah, I, I reckon they could do a good job for Celtic? I think uh, the Rafa Benitez one I've spoken about before. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to make an approach there. I think it was touched on in other uh, shows last week as well. So don't want to cover the old ground, but of course he stands out like a sore thumb from that list. I would have to say as well, I still think Steve Clark, but whilst again, you're talking about the profile side of things, so you've got to think, would Steve Clark galvanise the support and get season books uh, all paid up and things like that? I'm not, in, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he would do a good job. Yes, I do. That's the difference. I think he's very shrewd tactically. Um, I think you need to remember what he's done with Scotland. He's been with, you know, the two of the back four with Motherwell players. And no disrespect to Motherwell, but they've been bottom of the league for a lot of this season. He's going away to Serbia getting results. I mean, OK, but it was a draw in the end, but we've played very, very confident there. And that's because he's so organised and he gets a really, really good strategy developed and he gets players buying into his methods. Whether they're a wee bit negative or not, it's a different argument. He gets results. Um, I certainly think he wouldn't be the worst. I don't think he is the worst idea in the world. Whether he would do it before the Euros, 
is again another debate as well because obviously that is the sort of uh, that is exactly what you're looking for when you get the Scotland jobs to take them to the major finals. Would you walk away from that ahead of them? It's unlikely. Um, a Benitez again, I don't think is too far fetched. And the Rebrov ones are—it's a bit of a curveball, isn't it? Because he's a wee bit out there. Um, he would be more of the sort of pulling the Ronnie Dyler sort of name out the out the hat out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, of course he's got a track record now for doing pretty well in Europe. It's Ferencvaros he's in charge of. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, he's he's obviously you know punched above his weight there so far. Um, is that's not the country he's from the Ukraine as well, and they're Hungarians, but he can obviously adapt to other countries as well. Um, maybe I mean, again, I don't know enough about him, but it's an interesting name to be on the list. As for things like the canoe, I think you could just ignore that. I think that's going back to the lazy list that Kevers referring to. There's just again no no chance at all. No, you're you're right. That is part of a lazy list. I mean you. You, you wouldn't imagine that Paolo Di Canio will ever set foot back in Celtic Park unless he was the manager of someone like Lazio. Uh, that that might be the only time in a wee draw them in Europe. He certainly won't be back as a Celtic manager, no chance. Kevin, what's your thoughts? I'll run through the names again. Uh, Stevie Clark, Henrik Larsson, Johan Mialbe, Paul Lambert, Gordon Strachan, Rafa Benitez, Rebrov, uh, Gary Holt, interesting, and Paolo Di Canio. Gary Holt obviously was an ex-Celt, uh, came in as a cadet, an army cadet. Lou, Lou McCarry bought him and Justin Whittle, remember? Justin, Justin Whittle, aye. I remember that, I remember that uh, very, very well. Uh, Gary Holt's just been appointed director of football at Falkirk. Yep. So, so we can score him off the list. Thank was, it, was he even on the list? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Henrik Larson, no. Johan Mialbe, no. Um, Benitez a, a massive obvious yes Gordon Stratton no um, who else was on it who else was there uh, Rebrov De Canio Paul Lambert Paul Lambert no Rebrov would be an interesting one uh, he done well at Dynamo Kiev and he, he's got uh, Fenis Varos uh, punching above their weight but Fenis Varos benefited this year because he managed to get them into a system which would which would win which would win uh, one-off games in the Champions League there's, there's a few games that, if were, uh, that Fenis Varos played including the one against us if it would have been over two legs I reckon we would have took them Um so Rebroff would be an interesting one, but it would be a no for me. The other one was Stevie Clark that I don't think you mentioned, Kev. We've spoken about Stevie quite a few times in here. Stevie Clark's chances been and gone. There's no way that he's going to give up going to the Euros with Scotland and getting Scotland a chance to qualify for uh, the World Cup. There's no way that he's going to walk out on that. He's no Walter Smith. <laughs> now, the next... Uh, group. I'm going to split into a group of four, and their odds are ranging from 14 to 16 to 1. Um, Dan Petrescu, Damien Duff, John Kennedy, Marco Silva. Russell, come to you first. Any names in there that you just cringe at? Other names that you think get you quite excited? I think earlier in the season we had a chat. I think the first time I came on the show, I'd said to you before the show, I had a bad feeling that John Kennedy was going to get the job. Um, I think... The only saving grace in the disaster this season is that we'll rule that out now because they'll know that that is just, that's going to be one that will not change the mood of the fans at all right now. It's not going to put any more bums on seats. Anyone who was not going to renew their season book still wouldn't renew their season book if Kennedy was appointed as the boss. Not to say that he'd make a bad head coach um, overall, but unfortunately he's tarred with that brush now. He's part of a management team that's 
turned this Celtic side, you know, into an absolute shambles this year. And there's no coming back for that for him to be the manager at this stage, perhaps in the future, because I dare say he's got a fantastic um, rapport with, with the hierarchy at the club. I think he's well thought of, um, but certainly not now. Um, who was the other ones? Oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> I can't remember. Petrescu, Damien Duff, John Kennedy and Marco Silva. Yeah, I think Petrescu's done, you know, again, a lot of good, good things at Cluj. And I can't remember the other club he was at. I'm sure he'd got into the Champions League a couple of times as well. <clears throat> um, so he's certainly got experience of operating at the level that we sort of are play- negotiating playoff rounds, winning titles in smaller footballing nations. Um, Marco Silva, not for me. Um, I think he did. He had a relatively good spell in England. Uh, it was Watford, wasn't it? But, I mean, you don't last long there and then at Everton it was a bit of a disaster. I think, though, again, obviously, if you were to compare... Apples with Apples, obviously, was at Olympiacos and was quite successful there, which is probably more comparable um, to the Celtic job, obviously. Hot atmosphere down there, do you know what I mean? A lot of passion, a lot of expectation on winning your domestic tournaments and obviously making that qualification of the Champions League, which is trickier because you're not from a country with all the resources like the, the main five leagues. So perhaps he's got good relevant experience in that regard, but again, does he excite me? Not, not particularly, to be honest with you. What about yourself, Kevin? Uh, I'll run through the names again. Dan Petrescu, Damien Duff, John Kennedy and Marco Silva. Um, Duff, uh, I know because he hasn't had any managerial experience. Uh, he's had plenty of coaching experience. I wouldn't mind um, coming back in to the coaching setup at some point but then again that's up to the manager to decide that's up to the, the head coach much stroke manager to decide and know the de facto the, the director of football um, Silva look I, I probably didn't know enough about Silva or uh, Dan uh, Petrescu even though they've been successful, what they like in developing players, what uh, what style of play do they have? Do I not know enough about their background of the clubs? When you look at the, the number of clubs, uh, Silver, both of them have actually had, it sticks to me that they go and do well for six months and fall out of favour uh, quite quickly. I'm looking for a, a guy to come in and develop us. We, we need we need a development manager, and for them, Silva and uh, Petrescu don't tick that box. John Kennedy, he's had his chance. Eh? I think he's now seen as a major part of the problem, and he's probably burnt every bridge that 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 he's had with the wider Celtic support. And again, with Duff, I just think it's a bit too inexperienced with Duff there. Now we're starting to get very interesting now. A couple of names I've already mentioned on this broadcast. Slavin Bilic, Roy Keane. Bilic, 10-1, Roy Keane, 14-1. I've already made my thoughts clear on both of those managers. Bilic, obviously, is now managing in the Chinese Super League. Uh, Roy Keane hasn't managed for 10 years. I know that he's been an assistant to Martin O'Neill at various clubs and uh, for Ireland. But he hasn't managed for 10 years. I don't rate him as a manager. Um, and Slavin Bilic, I think, it's all profile, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, before we get to the, the top three candidates in terms of odds, Russell, Bilic and Keane? It's a myth. Absolutely no chance on either. In fact, I'm more against them than I'm some of the candidates that are further out, um, to be honest with you. I think uh, Billich is someone I think was perhaps slightly unlucky at West Brom to lose his job, is what they're saying. But again, what's his win record really like down south? It's not It's not fantastic. Um, 
you know, his experience at this level, um, just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, so, unfortunately, it's not something that we can uh, we we can look at having um, Slavin Bilic in charge. And the Roy Keane thing's just farcical to me. And I think it's again that, that put that on Kev's lazy list because there is absolutely no way. Uh, Roy Keane should be in that dugout at all. I didn't realise it was as long as what you just said. There's 10 years uh, since he's last managed. I mean, that is absolutely baffling um, that he would be then going into a job like Celtics mm. after such a long wait. And again, I don't want this to sound really bad about Martin O'Neill, but I think when you're saying in that time that he's been assistant to, is Martin O'Neill's methods really something that his most relevant experience is? has been with for you know five, six years. Is that really what you're wanting him to have been taken into the into then doing a job like Celtic? We're gonna be back to square one. Because we know that these methods are akin to the manager currently uh, in the dugout. So we don't want that either. I think um those names are very very surprising to have such short odds. And and, and again the village when he's just went to China as well. I mean you can I, I don't think either of those are, are remotely realistic at all. Kev, I think you agree with myself, but uh, any anything at all about any of the two names that you would think are going to make a change at Celtic? I've, by the way, I will get to the comments once we've reached the Eddie Howe question. But, um, you know, what I'm seeing from the comments over the piece is that he's a motivator, um, he can instill some more discipline. I don't get that. I honestly don't think that Roy Keane can do that now in the modern game. What's your thoughts? Basically, what you've got to look at Roy Keane is the only person that's given him a job in football over the last 10 years has been Martin O'Neill. And from what I'm told by people, that the only person who will give him a job in football is Martin O'Neill. Um, they were chased out of not both of them were chased out of Nottingham Forest because the Nottingham Forest players didn't like uh, their training and the way that they set up for the match days and the, the, the inference of that was it was a bit old school and the players didn't like it um, look Roy Keane's problem was basically that the players weren't as good as him and they, they, they couldn't do what he wanted them to do. And that's what ruling be fear, I think, has gone. I, I mean, I keep on going back to the Neil Lennon quote. He says he used to deal with 20-year-old men. Now he deals with 29-year-old children. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's football now. And we can sit here and moan for the good old days, the days of the three kings when you're just shanties sure. and Budsby's and all that. That did that. that that's gone. That's utterly gone. And unfortunately, guys like, well, no, maybe unfortunately, but guys like Neil Lennon, uh, Roy Keenan, that are in a distant past and the game's moved on. You're now, you're now getting coaches who have never played the game professionally, but they know how to coach. They know mm-hmm. how to develop players. They know how to speak the younger guys' language. And that's football's just moved on. And guys like myself, mi- middle-aged guys like myself, have just got to accept that and have a look at these hipster-type, nay sock-wearing managers. That's, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that, that's it. And the, the, the game's moved on, whether we like it or not. And everybody that was still batting, it's still batting for Neil Lennon, still longs for that. And I completely understand that. And I completely understand why Martin O'Neill still tugs at my heartstrings as well. I understand it, but the game's moved on. No, you're right. And incidentally, in the top three, which we're now moving into, Martin O'Neill's in there. He's still got short odds. The odds I'm looking at at the moment, 72 for Martin O'Neill. Jack Ross, 
five to one. Kevin, I'll have a bit to say about him. And the the lead runner at the moment, uh, leading the race is Eddie Howe at four to nine. So that brings us right up to the big question on Eddie Howe. What about the other two though, Russell? What do you think of Jack Ross and Martin O'Neill? Kevin's already made his feelings known about O'Neill, and I agree with him, incidentally. But I know he likes Jack Ross. So Jack Ross, Martin O'Neill, and the main man Eddie Howe. Yeah, I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, I like Martin O'Neill as a person. I like listening to him talking. Again, I just think Celtic's got a really modern type of football, uh, footballing squad. I think the players very much will buy into a, a, a modern manager. I think that's just what it's got to be. Martin O'Neill. It's such a romantic notion. That is what it's all about, and that's why I find yourself so high up that list. Um, I would like to think that if we're talking about a board that sat on making the decision so long about removing the current manager, um, still haven't, of course, that if we do end up doing that, I would imagine that's because the decision's been taken out of their hands. Now, there is no point in making such a drastic call like taking a decision out of the board's hands to change the management structure to replace Neil Lennon with Martin O'Neill. That just defeats the purpose. Um, it does. That's not a progressive change in the slightest. So why go to that effort? Um, I can't see him being the manager whatsoever. Jack Ross is interested. I mean, there was a few uh, comments about it on the Twitter the Twitter poll last night. We were. I mean, I do like Jack Ross as a manager. And what I said last night was, if we'd actually won the ten in a row this year. We might have got away with putting Jack Ross in the summer, you know, because everyone would have appreciated the end of an era, the end of an era chat. We've had to have the conversation mid-season this year, such as being the ending of that era slightly earlier um, than, than what we'd actually hoped. But I think if we'd won the 10 in a row, they might have got away with the Jack Ross appointment. I don't see them getting away with that now. Um, and again, I can understand why it's high up in the odds. Uh, I think it's a good coach, but... Not now. Not when we're not when we're you know in the twenties. Point binds our rivals right now going for the ten in a row. Yeah, it's not right to take that sort of risk. But like I say, if things have been different this year and a more positive outcome at the end, uh, Jack Ross definitely would. Have, I think they would have got away with that one. Mm. What about Eddie Howe? Uh, like I say, I've already touched on it. I mean, I, I watched two documentaries last night. Um, the coach's voice and a really interesting one called Minus Seventeen. Which is all about. I didn't realise how far in the mire Bournemouth were when yeah. he got that job. He took over them in December, and they still were on minus points when he took over. Um, his first win, I think, got them to zero. And that was in December, and he managed to keep them up. And then, obviously, we know what's happened since then. He's sitting, reflecting on it as Bournemouth are a Premier League club, um, and he actually spoke really interesting about his reasons for going to Burnley as well, which mm-hmm. must have been quite awkward for a a Bournemouth documentary to talk about the spell when he actually, you know, he left the club, basically. He had, so, I mean, had, had a wee mistress for a wee while, yeah. Ah, well, OK. Um, but <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean Burnley. I mean, Burnley <laughs> oh, was his yeah. mistress. Before anybody <laughs> thinks that, I mean, he had a real mistress. <laughs> I was like, right, wow, well, OK. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not that much in the know, Russell. I'm not that much in the know. <laughs> Who are these sources of yours, Paul? Even in Burnley. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, but the way he spoke about his reasons for that were actually really good. He spoke about how it was a family club, mm-hmm. how it had actually been when he'd went there, he'd been sold in the idea of their ambitions to get out of the Championship into the Premier League. But because they weren't doing it with Rich back and it was a, a real unit there, and he goes, I was kind of sold on that side of it. But the whole way he comes over in that is, is awesome, to be honest with you. The way he's spoken about by the players and then 
it showed some snippets from back in the 2010 uh, end of the season where he's wanting the whole squad to give round of applause to the kit man, things like that. He's naming them and he's explaining why they're so important to the club. And I just thought, that's that thing that Rogers was good at, bringing everyone in, everyone in together. And of course, he actually then speaks at length about Brendan Rogers and how he learnt so much from him and that he was always open and he actually learnt tactically and about management from Brendan Rogers, which is quite fascinating. Um, but I'm completely convinced on the back of what I watched yesterday, he is the perfect fit. Uh, for that Celtic squad right now I really do believe that Interesting Now Kevin over to you all this mistress talk um, I know that you're a fan you're a fan of uh, Jack Ross I know that um, you've already given us the reasons why O'Neill is not the man for Celtic now uh, Talk to us about Jack Ross and Eddie Howe then What's your thoughts? I'm not a fan of Jack Ross I was using logic to get to the Jack Ross conclusion Look, Jack Ross can, can be put into two categories. He can be put into the lazy list because it is a lazy blink by people looking for the Celtic job and he can put in, he can get put into the list with merit. It's interesting Russell mentioned there uh, Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers rates Jack Ross extremely highly. Mm-hmm. And whether we like it or not, Jack, uh, Brendan Rogers has still got the ear of the person who makes the decisions at Celtic i.e. Dermot Desmond. So if Celtic could get who if Celtic weren't going to change structure, they might have a look at Jack Ross as a gamble, but they could be getting a, a diamond on the cheap. They could be getting a diamond on the cheap who's had um Sunderland's a basket case and a, a club. Sunderland's a Sunderland's a box of monkeys on acid. Anybody, any, anybody, any, anybody that goes to Sunderland fails. So what, what they need? So failing at Sunderland for me is not a big thing. It's going to a club with extremely high expectations. Um, we've all watched the, the the documentary and some of the expectations of that football club were utterly bizarre. Uh, I mean, they're paying guys forty, fifty thousand pound a week. Look, he, he knows how to handle that intense pressure. Way I'm coming back up to Hibs. He's done well with Hibs. Now I think the limitations of the Hibs squad has been shown up. But could you expect him to do anything else? Bar challenge for FUD, for FUD with that that squad? I don't think so. He seems to be a progressive manager, and he seems to he seems to tick an awful lot of boxes that I would expect Celtic to look for in a manager. If there's going to be a whole scale change, right enough, then you you've got to up that development level. You've got to up that level to somebody like Brendan Rodgers. And whether we like it or not, Eddie Howe for me. If you take away the Liverpool aspect of Brendan Rodgers, Eddie Howe's on the same level as Brendan Rodgers to come in and to do what he wants at the Celtic club. The only thing that's completely different is the fact that Rodgers has had the experience of the press scrutiny of a club the size of Liverpool, mm. which Howe hasn't had. And that's one of the red flags for me. That's one of my red flags about Eddie Howe is the fact is will he, will he be able to handle the intense scrutiny which goes with being the manager of Celtic Football Club? Two minutes ago, Anthony Joseph, the Sky Sports reporter, has broke that Celtic manager, Neil Lennon, has confirmed that one more player has tested positive for COVID following the club's training camp in Dubai. 
So we'll come back to that and we'll get the thoughts from the commenters. But Kevin, yeah, interestingly enough, uh, some rudimentary kind of stats and data that I put out on Twitter yesterday got a wee bit of traction. But I understand why the real data analysts were like, you know, you can't you can't just make a decision based on that. I think what we're trying to do is going back to a conversation we've had about Brennan Rogers and where he actually was when he took over at Celtic. And I wasn't comparing him to Roy Hodgson. What I was trying to say was this was a Liverpool football club who hadn't won the league in decades uh, they weren't expected to win the league yes granted Rodgers came very close but he didn't win the league with Liverpool he didn't win anything with Liverpool and the, it was all around this discussion about an, an elite manager was he an elite manager or is he becoming an elite manager and I think that Brennan Rodgers implemented elite practices that he had picked up from Chelsea and Liverpool into Celtic and that worked really well for us now, when I was comparing them, it was all about the perception, Kevin. That's the reason I, I looked at both of their careers. Eddie Howe had managed far more games than what Brennan Rodgers had when he came to Celtic. And he had more success in terms of promotions and he had won a championship. And, you know, yeah, Bournemouth wasn't a club where he was expected to win their title. He wasn't expected to win every single week. And there's so many other analytics that could be brought into it. But I just think perceptions are very, very important when it comes down to, you know, you see a name, you think yes or, or no. Um, but I think within us, we are all in agreement that Eddie Howe definitely would be the man for for Celtic Russell Boyce is talking about a documentary called Minus 17 will we be making a documentary called Minus 21 that's the question oh. if it comes in um, interesting to see that breaking news coming from Anthony Joseph uh, I wonder who the player is obviously that's going to affect uh, Wednesday night uh, who else is it going to affect in terms of isolation yeah. this this is just getting worse and worse we bring some back then we get rid of others um, it's just one thing after another we need it to end we need a break in this we need a circuit break and that circuit break will be uh, a start we'll be bringing in Eddie Howe I'm going to go over to the points being made from our commenters as well so let's just start straight away Joe Porter would take Eddie the Eagle at this point Eddie Howe is undoubtedly a proactive and modern coach and that's what we need um, there is also a question coming in from in the crowd uh, you're commenting on YouTube thanks for getting involved how much autonomy did he have at Bournemouth and how much would he get at Celtic? This is where you, you start looking above the manager's chair, you know, that level and say, well, this is where it was interesting that uh, we're talking about a boardroom shake-up. You know, we can't continue in terms of the way that Peter Lowell's been getting involved in the footballing uh, side of things to that degree. I mean, he's got to have an involvement in football. Of course he does when it comes to buying and selling players, etc. But Kevin, they think that, you know, if Eddie Howe comes in, he'll have more autonomy than, say, Neil Lennon's had. He's got to have. He's got to get more autonomy. He's got to get the full control of the football side. Any accountant, all they should be telling Eddie Howe is, there's your budget, spend it how you want. That's that's the only... That's only interference that your CEO should actually have with with your football manager. That that's that bottom line. If and I've said before you, you, the highest paid person at the club has to be your football manager. And that's if you're bringing in Eddie Howe you would got you would like to think that he's going to be the highest paid person at the club. Um he needs full autonomy, he needs full control and he needs full control of the football side from top to bottom. He needs to have a look at the academy and go, right, how can I work on these players? And he seems the type of he seems the type of guy that would actually do this. And I think Jack Ross would do this as well. 
he would actually have a look at the whole football side. How can we be spending two to three million pound a year on a on our football academy and getting nobody through? It's an absolute failure. And now when we have a look, we'll have a look at the change of the Brexit rules as well. And I noticed Russell had a conversation with EK Boy on, on Twitter and they were talking about the change in the rules. And the what he was right, the, the Scottish Premier League haven't actually agreed rules with the Home Office yet, but the Home Office have actually says that the Scottish clubs can actually use the English Football League rules with regards to signing players from abroad at under 18, uh, that are under 18. But Celtic's view is that the, the English Football League rules are too onerous for them and they want to come up with their own deal with the Home Office. So that's so that that's that's where we are at that at the moment. But we need to actually develop our own home players. We spend an awful lot of money on training. We spend a, a lot of money on this youth system that seems to produce nothing. So we need we need somebody to come in and have a look at that as well. So yep. somebody like Eddie Howe or whoever it is or a director, I would love us to bring a, a, a director of football before a coach and a director of football appoints a coach, appoints a coach. But if Eddie Howe's coming in, or, any, or they have to have full control of the football side. <laughs> Michael, the boy, uh, a wee request for Russell, maybe the scheduling team here at uh, Celtic State of Mind. Russell on a Monday again, and bad news with COVID, Paul changes day. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> every oh, single okay. Monday. Every, mon- every Monday. Yeah. I know. I've actually worked out that the only Monday that I missed, because my Wi-Fi was down, we won that weekend as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only Monday I've missed. It's unbelievable. It's just one thing after another. Now, Treble Treble comes in um, to say that it must be someone who was already isolating, surely. I mean, I if it's not... Anything out. You think the, the repercussions after Hibs were talking about, you know, refusing to play or additional tests, Celtic refused. If it's one of the guys that was playing in that game, I mean, the repercussions, it just goes on and on and on. Um, so, yeah, we could go back to the Dubai trip. We could go back to the apology. I think what's been said has been said. It's just heightens it even more. Kevin Graham and I'm sure that more information will come through uh, after this bulletin is finished as to who it is. I mean the club weren't very quick to come out with the identity of the, the person last time round. What's important at this moment in time is to say that we hope the person who's suffering from COVID um, makes a, a recovery uh, and they're not too affected in terms of the after effects of that. Um, but yeah, it's too, it really is getting to an embarrassing stage. Uh, Reputational damage, Kevin Graham. I know that within the Scottish game, people are looking at Celtic, and I think it's um, harmed the reputation at a local level. What about further afield? What about for a potential manager coming in and they're looking at the situation from the outside? Is it is it actually damaged the reputation of the club, Kevin Graham? Nah, football's a football's a strange business where. These, seem, these things don't seem to matter to outer work football managers or players looking for a move. The, the, the Dubai decision was nothing to do with, with the players that will come in. The Dubai decision was nothing to do with a manager that's going to come in. So they, they can wipe their hands of it quite easily. That's another pun, wipe their hands in this COVID thing. They, 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 they can sterilise their hands and put them under a tap for 20 seconds quite easily and say, well, that was nothing to do with me. I'm going to change this. I, I did find it most amusing that Spartak Moscow had a wee dig at us on social media when they arrived in Dubai for their tra- training camp and asked Celtic if they've got any tips. 
And the Celtic, the Celtic social media team missed a trick there by going, I didn't go. That's the thing is, Kev, you remember I said that Celtic had become the laughing stock of European football and I was slated for it. That was it. That tweet was it. Other clubs are laughing at Celtic. They're making a jokey Celtic. We've become the parody of what Celtic is in terms of what we believe it is. And that, you know, you think yet another chapter in this sorry, sorry season. And we're talking about a new man coming in. I just hope it doesn't affect anybody's kind of view on the club and the reputation of the club. Russell, we're going to wrap it up. I mean, that broke as we were on live. Um, I'm pretty sure we will we'll find out more as time goes on. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you see this making any difference to any plans that may be in place in relation to the change of manager? Well, interestingly, I was thinking to myself, maybe the, one of the reasons about this rumour of it being Thursday was that to do with the fact that the players obviously were, that were in isolation were then going to be back in training from around that date. That would take us up to the 10 days, would it not? That would um, be it. Yeah, it would work, yeah. Uh, so I wonder if that was maybe where the thinking was. According to Gavin Stratton, the majority of the players are back today. All right, okay. the, the, the isolation period ends today because Lennon and Neil Lennon and John Kennedy come back in today, and all of the players right. come back today. The reason for Thursday was because it's a week to we play Hamilton. We haven't got a game at the weekend. Right. So, so it was a week until we play Hamilton. That was the whole. Okay. He's, going to have, he's going to have a week to work with the players. He should have okay. had months to work with the players, but there we go. But, but I, I, again, if I was Neil Lennon and known Wednesday night was my last game, why are you even there? Why are the club even letting it go to Wednesday? I know. Just one thing before we go, someone has thrown this name into the hat. Can I just tell you the last uh, club that Owen Coyle? Uh, was interviewed by. I know that he's he's in, he's uh, managing in India at the moment, isn't he? The last Scottish club that interviewed Owen Coyle for the manager's job. Hamilton. Queen's Park. Was it Queen's Park? So... I don't think that Owen Coyle's a viable option um, at this time and uh, probably in the future that that won't change. But there you go, another chapter. Russell comes in uh, with his big size nines and uh, provides us with a wee bit of negativity at the end. Cheers, Russell. The, co- <laughs> the, curse, the curse of the COVID. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30, as I've been saying over the weekend. Um, if anything happens, if anything breaks, we'll get a couple of the, the pundits in and we'll do a you know an impromptu broadcast if and when that happens. If not, we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. Um, let me know your thoughts about some of the candidates we discussed today. Hopefully we'll have more opportunity tomorrow to pull more of your comments in. It's always a pleasure to read uh, from Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. But also, it's always a pleasure to speak to yourself, Russell Boyce and Kevin Graham. Thank you for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. Marketers Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.